Welcome to the Crossing Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for listening. We're glad you've connected with us. Our hope is that God speaks to your heart in a new way through this message. If you're new to the Crossing Church, please feel free to reach out to us by visiting our contact page or by paying us a visit. We would love to meet you. This week's sermon podcast begins in three, two, one. Father, we, uh, we do, as I said, live in a, a nation that's really divided right now. And people of goodwill, people in this congregation, they push the button for different people. Some had write-ins. You, you, and we did it for good reasons, God. The best reasons that we could is we prayed and we contemplated and we decided. And you know our hearts and we know that every decision we make, we will uh, give an account for. And uh, I, I hope we can all do that. God, we pray for this nation. We pray for President-elect Trump. And God, we just pray that you would surround him with good men and women People like uh, the sort we just saw on the screen. And God, would you take us through the tumult right now and uh, bring us to a place where uh, America comes together. Make it a place where the, the gospel can really be preached freely. Give us the courage we need to speak as you give opportunity, Lord God. Uh, let us not stand on high and look down in any self-righteous way to others. God, let us know that uh, we are sinful men and women, and but for the grace of God go I, even to the least of these. So we pray for our nation in this time. May the peace of God reign. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Let's talk about, uh, let's get back to our series, shall we? Maddie uh, Melhortra grew up in a small poverty-stricken town in India. And uh, in fact, he grew up in a town that was known as the, uh, the uh, crime capital of India. How'd you like to, it must have been like Section 18, right, of, of India, something like that. And uh, through determination, through grit, uh, he made his way to the UK, got an education. He's now a speaker. He's a consultant of uh, companies, large and small, and individuals. And uh, to the best of my knowledge, uh, Matty is not a believer. He's not a Christian. Um, but uh, he, he does believe that self-talk uh, has a lot to do with the course in life that we will take. Uh, he wrote this. He said, the most influential and frequent voice you hear is your, what he calls your inner voice. It can work in your favor or against you, depending on what you listen to and act upon. I think he stumbled on some truth there. I really do. Uh, you, you talk to yourself all day long, don't you? It's okay. Honestly, it's, it's, it's all right to, to admit it. Social scientists no longer believe the popular urban legend that, you know what, that's the first sign of insanity when you begin to talk to yourself. If that were the case, then you know what? Uh, when you started to talk to yourself, age five is about when we all start talking to ourselves. And, we, you know, it would have been, we would have been locked up at that age, okay? Um, that's when we begin loud, self-directed speech. Now, within the last uh, several decades, scientists and psychologists uh, have come to understand that talking to yourself, what Maddie calls 
private speech uh, is kind of a biological mechanism that helps us as human beings to better siphon off stress and to solve problems and to uh, kind of reason through very difficult situations a lot of times that we find ourselves in decisions that we have to make. And also, believe it or not, it helps you concentrate with greater accuracy. At least that's what they're telling me. Some do it very quietly. Some of you, well, we're nervous about. Uh, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, um, uh, it wasn't that long ago when uh, my wife thought that someone had gone into the bathroom with me and that we were, you, we were having a conversation in there because I was loud and full-throated. And you know what? I, maybe I've gone beyond the normal. I'm not sure, but I'm sure some of you are there too. Now, some of you talk to yourself uh, in a sense because you're rehearsing conversations. You've got to talk to the boss later in the day, and so you're talking about, you know, you're driving to work, you know, the radio's on, but you're talking to yourself. You're going through this whole conversation. Sometimes that's what we do when we're thinking ahead. Sometimes we think too far ahead. That's all we ever do. And it's a sign that we're not living in the present. We're always living an hour, two hours, two days, you know, in, into the future. But a lot of times when you talk to yourself, you're responding to the many voices in your head. And don't tell me you don't have them, because I know you do, because I do. Um, we all have voices in our heads. And I'm, I'm not talking about, listen, I'm not talking about the voices like a patient who's schizophrenic, where the voices threaten you or tell you to do terrible things, where you, you know, a doctor will prescribe antipsychotic drugs. I'm not talking about that. But if you are like me, you got a fair amount of voices speaking to you in your head. Sometimes it gets really crowded between my ears. Really, really crowded. And some of them, i got to tell you, a lot of them don't say nice things about me. They really don't. They say bad things about my parenting. They say bad things about me as a spouse. Uh, they don't like the way I look. They don't like the way I conduct business here at the church. And they seem to know all my deficiencies, which I already know, and they know them full well. I'm well aware of it. You got any voices like that? Anybody? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 do. I do too. You know, the voices that uh, come to you and say things like, uh, he's great, he makes me feel good. My spouse has stopped responding to me a long time ago. I've been nervous for a very long time that nobody really thinks of me in a great and grand way. No one will know. Let's do it. Voices that come to you. And uh, they say, uh, you need a great grade on this paper. You've worked really, really hard for a long time. And you know what? To be judged by a single test or a single paper, you know, that's absolutely ridiculous. It's not cheating because I've paid my dues, and I'm afraid if I don't do well in this, my GPA will go down by one-tenth of a point, and I'm not going to get into the university that I just applied for. See, voices like that. Voices that say, you know, does the government really need the taxes from this income that nobody knows anything about? They've already proven they don't know how to handle money. So why, you know, why would I give them more of my money to spend? Who's going to take care of me when I'm old? Social Security? Pfft, that's a laugh. <laughs> Sorry, that was a little political commentary. But, uh, and then sometimes there's other voices in my head. There's other voices that said, you know what? Okay, you're not the smartest guy, you're not the brightest, you know, sharpest pencil in the box, but, but you know, I'm, I'm not calling you to write a tome on systematic theology or cure the common cold. I've called you to pastor a local church and to use what giftedness you have and what intelligence you have, and you have enough for that. 
Okay, voices come to me sometimes, and they say, yeah, you're getting older, but you're not dead, so you're not done. God is still using you even in all your weirdness. You know, I got voices like that, too, that come to me. How do you know what voices to listen to? How do you know? Uh, well, you say, Professor Tim, it's very, very easy. <laughs> the voices I listen to, I listen to the voices that make me feel good about myself. And I, you know, the ones that make me feel depressed and make me feel bad about myself, I don't listen to. Nice try. N nice try. Nobody does that. In fact, I'm willing to bet that the bad voices and the good voices, you, you spend ten times more time hearing and listening and contemplating those bad messages that are coming through to you than anything good that could possibly come, come through. And the second thing is, really... That's not a really good, reliable test. Haven't you had people that have come to you in your lifetime and they've brought out things that at first you did not want to hear, you rather would not have heard it, but in the end you listened to it and it, those words preserved life and relationship and your very sanity. Hasn't that ever happened to you? Sometimes things come to us and we don't like them right off the bat, those voices, but in the end they're kind of good. In John chapter 14, soon before his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, which we've talked about. Jesus said to his men this. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He had already told them he was going to leave. He said, you know what? And he wasn't saying, you know, I'm going to come to you, you know, a thousand years is like a day in the, you know, to the Lord. No, it doesn't mean he's going to come in a thousand, two thousand, three thousand years. He meant he's going to come right away back. Right away, you're going to see me go, and then I'm going to be back right away. And he's telling his disciples, who had walked with him very closely for several years, that he was going, but he really wasn't going. Because he was going to send someone, and when this someone spoke, he would speak about the same agenda. He would have the same desires as me. He would speak the same truth, the same care, had the same love that I have shown for you. It's going to be the same thing. Nothing's going to be missing. What's he talking about? Well, what he was talking about was the subject in the Apostles' Creed that we're going to be tackling this morning. He was talking about sending the Holy Spirit, henceforth to be known as the voice. I probably should have had an illustration, right? A illustration about the TV show or something, but I said, eh, I'm not going to do that. The Holy Spirit, who is the voice, who he was going to send to live in and guide every one of them, all through their life circumstances. Now, here's the questions for this morning. Who's the voice? You know, who is, really, who is he? Uh, what does the voice say? How can you tell it's the voice, you know, the Holy Spirit, when you hear these things coming to you? And, uh, you know, if you decide you kind of want to hear from him, how do you hear from him more clearly? How in the world does that happen? Well, let, let's, let's get into it. Who, who is the voice? Who is the voice? Well, not, number one thing you need to know about him is that he's personal. The voice, the Holy Spirit, is personal. And, and he resides, the Bible says, in the hearts of every individual, every individual Christian. Now, what do I mean by, by personal? Well, I mean, that, I mean that he's a person, okay? That's what personal means. Verse 15 of John chapter 14 that Doug just read for us says this. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. Can I accept who? Him. Him. Not it. Him. Because it neither sees him, not it, nor knows 
You get the pattern here, folks? Just, just chime in. Not it. But you know not it, for he, not it, I threw, threw one at you there, lives with you and will be in you. He's not an energy. He's not a force. It was funny. Uh, where's Nancy? Warbeck. Nancy. Nancy said to me the other day, she said uh, when they get back, she goes, you know, they invoked your name so many times on the mission trip, I felt like you were there. You know, they just caught talking about the pastor of the church, the pastor of the church. The pastor. I, I felt like you were there, like your spirit was hovering over Guatemala. Now, folks, I got to tell you, that is not what we're talking about right here. A lot of times we say, well, the spirit of God, and you know, it's like, you know, we could feel, he's, you know, they're not really gone, they're here. We feel. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about a personal Holy Spirit. We're talking about a he, we're talking about a him, a person. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, did you know that the Holy Spirit can be grieved? This person can be, when we continually, kind of the voices that come, we continually ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit, it grieves his heart. There's an emotional response. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 29, it says that you can outrage the Holy Spirit. He gets so angry, white hot, holy rage sometimes. In Romans chapter 15, it says that the Holy Spirit loves he loves, he, he's grieved, he's loved, he's fuming. An impersonal force cannot feel feelings. This is a person first, okay? Second thing, he's God. You go back to the beginning of the book of John. You know, Jesus is mentioned at the beginning of the book of John. He's called the Word. He was speaking to a Greek audience. They got it. when they, you know, That was the tip-off when John said that. All the Greeks are going, oh, we, get, we know what, you, what you're driving at. The first verse says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Paul declares then that Jesus is God, the exact replica of God, the supreme being of all whoever existed. Now, all through the Gospels, you see Jesus doing things that indicate, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, that he is much more than a mortal man, like forgiving sins. He would forgive sins, and people would be standing around going, forgiving sins? Who does this guy think he is? Only God can forgive sins. And then he would say, you know, one day I'm going to return to judge the earth. Wait a minute, only... Oh, okay. All right, you know, yeah, right. Then in John chapter 8, Jesus says, before Abraham was, do you remember how it ends? Before Abraham was, I am. And basically what he was saying, he was using the divine name that God, you know, Moses said, well, you know, you're sending me out to do this big job. Who should I say sent me? He says, you know what, I, this, here's how I'm summing it up, I am. I am who I am. And, you know, Jesus was basically saying before Abraham was, what was he saying? I am. So Jesus, as we looked at a few weeks ago, was God. Now he says in John chapter 14 and verse 16 that was read for us, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you be with you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Jesus is saying this. I'm an advocate, or in some versions, you may have a version uh, of the Bible that says uh, a counselor or a, a, uh, a, a you know, advocate in, in the NIV, the latest NIV. Uh, here's another one. I'm going to send another one. Now, folks, if you look at this, there are two Greek words uh, in the New Testament that can be translated and are usually translated another in the English. There's one alos, and the other one is hetero. Now, alos, when it's used to uh, talking about something. It's talking about something of the same sort. Um, bananas, you go to shop right, right? Bananas, oranges, pears, 
Okay, they're all next to each other. They got a little thing dividing them. All, all fruit, food, all edible, all fruit. They're the same sort. Alas. Okay? But there's another word translated in Scripture, another. Heteros. And it means another of a different sort. Bananas, oranges, quesadillas. Wait a minute. Wait, these don't fit together. There's something wrong here. You know, one of these things. That, where was that? Sesame Street doesn't belong. It was, I, I, it's coming back. I don't know. It's a long time ago. Uh, but, but anyway, are they all food? Yeah, they're all food. But they're totally different. They are not interchangeable. Heteros is actually opposed or different than whatever it's being, you know, compared to. Alos means it's just like the former. It's just like the former. What was he saying? And I'm, I'm not going to belabor this anymore, Okay. What was he saying? He's saying, when I go, I will send someone just like me. See, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. So when the voice speaks, it means that God speaks. And everybody wants to hear from God. Don't you want to hear from God? Say yes. Yeah, everybody wants to hear from God, right? We know that. All right, so we know who he is. Now, what does he say? And what does, he, you know, what does he speak about to us? Well, the voice speaks to us, verse 17 says he speaks to us about truth. In fact, that's his title. When somebody gets a title, it's usually, you know, William the Conqueror. Guess what William does? Yeah, he conquers. He does stuff like that, okay? Uh, he's called the spirit of truth. And he wants to speak truth into your life. And when he speaks, he only speaks truth. And folks, i got to tell you something right now. You have nothing to be afraid of from the truth. You have nothing to be afraid of from God's truth. Truth will always, always help you. Now, how do I know that the Holy Spirit, when he speaks, wants to help me? You know why? Verse 16. Verse 16, he's called the advocate. He's an advocate. Or he's called the spirit of truth, but he's, he is, his description is, he's an advocate. And it says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Now, some translators, you know, translate the Greek word uh, parakletos, comforter, like I said, or counselor. And actually, advocate is better. You know, I hate to be partisan here, but I think, you know, I think it is kind of better. What, what is an advocate? What is an advocate? Basically, it's someone, folks, it's someone who's got your back. Your advocate has your back. It's someone who pleads your case to anybody who comes up against you. When you were a little kid, guys, and you, you, any of you guys with a bigger brother, and somebody beat you up at school, what would your big brother do? He went to school the next day, and he went up to the kid, and he said, uh, you touch my brother again, I will turn you upside down and kick you in the groin, and you will never forget the experience that you're, you're going to have from me. See, that's what your older brother did. Why? He was your advocate. He's got your back. He's got, I'm not saying the Holy Spirit does that, but I'm saying, you know what, it, it's, it's just, a, 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 he, he has got your back. That's what it means to have an advocate. He helps you. He's there. He's with you. You know, he's your boy. He, you know, he's your girl. This person stands in your position. This person represents you. This person is loyal to you to the end. Now, folks, i got to tell you, when you look at any kind of an advocate, and, and here, I think it's, it's actually, I think it's talking about a legal advocate. When you have an advocate, though, of any sort, usually there's a hard side to an advocate and a soft side to an advocate. Now, the hard side, you know what? If I can think of one word about the hard side, he's argumentative. 
The hard side of an advocate is he will argue in debates. He'll, he'll argue to other people in your stead. He makes your case. It's a person who is going to defend you against all enemies. That's the hard side. Now, the soft side, the sympathy side, is, is, is someone who comes to you and assures you. You know, you, know, you know what the soft side of the advocate, of any advocate does? Comes up to you and goes, I got this. I got it. Don't, I, I know you're flipping out, but I got this. See, an advocate is a very present comfort in the tragedies and when you, when you come up against life and all of a sudden you're going, what in the world? See, he says, I got this. I got this. See, that's the soft side. It's the one that, at the, if you get to the end of this passage, it's the one that brings you peace, that brings peace to your life. Do you know, well, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is your advocate. So that means that it's the Holy Spirit's job to defend you. This is what, this, this is what it means. To defend you against enemies here, but even more so, enemies between my ears. A lot, of, a lot of enemies seem to be coming in. He defends me against them. Do you know that a huge number of voices inside of me, when I hear them, they do not instill confidence in me. They don't, you know, when, when I hear the voice, confidence just absolutely leaks out. They do not instill in me faith. They do not impart to me courage. In fact, do you know what a lot of the voices usually leave in their wake to me? I don't know if it's true with you, but with me, you know what it leaves? Fear. Abject, naked fear. That's what the voices many times leave to me. Now, Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul wrote this. In Romans chapter 8, and verse 15, he said this. He said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us the spirit of his son who comes into our hearts crying, Abba, Daddy, Abba, Father. Do you know what Paul's saying? Do you, do you, get, do you get what he's saying here? For one thing, he's acknowledging that, you know what, everybody's got a large number of voices in their head. Paul probably did too, because how else would he know? Everybody's got these, these sweet nothings that come into our ear and you leave behind fear. And then although he doesn't explicitly say it, he seems to indicate that if God ain't speaking those words that stop us in our track and paralyze us with fear, somebody's saying it. Somebody's saying it, folks. Guess who that is? So you hear this voice that fills you with fear, and the voice says things like this. God doesn't love you. God, <laughs> they tell you that at church, but you know how you know God doesn't love you? Because in the situation you're in right now, he has abandoned you. He's left you all on your own. But then another voice comes, you know, kind of from the other direction. You know what the voice says? I got your back. I, I, I got you. God does love you. You are his child. Romans chapter 8 and verse 16 says this. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's what the spirit does. The voice 
speaks the truth about who we are. Why did uh, uh, Maddie, uh, you know, say what he said? Remember what he said? He said, your inner voice can work in your favor or against you depending on what you listen to and what you act upon. Folks, listen. Who you listen to will determine the course of your life. It'll determine your life's course. Now, one other little thing about, about an advocate. Uh, a good advocate is going to go to court, and he's going to go to a court of law. And you know, you know, what, his, you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to, get, he's trying to settle a case in your favor. He's trying to get this thing either dismissed because it's ridiculous or bring out evidence that's going to say, you know what? Uh, the jury comes in and goes, this, this is a joke, okay? This is, this, this is, oh, that's what he's trying to do. But a lot of times when a trial begins, it ain't easy. It gets, it gets messy. Now, in Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12 is all about suffering. You look at, look at it later. He, you know, the, the writer of the Hebrews is talking about all the suffering and all the trouble, trouble that comes our way in, in our lifetime. And in Hebrews chapter 12, he says this. Hebrews 12 and verse 4 says this. In your struggle, he's not saying, you know, if you ever had, had struggles, one day you may, have, you may know someone. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding of blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? By the way, before I, before I go on, that word as a father addresses his son there in verse 4, okay? Didolegomai is a Greek word. You know what the word really means? They, didn't know how to, they, they weren't sure how to translate it, I think. It literally means to argue. It means to argue. Have you, forgot, have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses, argues, with and for his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his own child. The Hebrews writer is saying the job of the Holy Spirit is to argue with you when the other voices throw you to the mat. That's what he's saying. Suffering has happened to you. Bad things have happened to you. And you know what you feel like? God's abandoned me. But according to the book of Hebrews, he says that the scriptures, written by the way, 1 Peter, written by the Holy Spirit, the scriptures argue with you. See, the voice comes and says, what father would treat his child like you think our heavenly father is treating you? You wouldn't treat your own kid like that. And you, you stink in comparative, comparatively to our father in heaven. You know, when, 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 a, when a child asks for, for, for meat, would you going to give him a snake, Jesus said? Of course, your heavenly father is going to do better than your earthly father. And even your earthly father won't do what you think he's doing. So when the voice comes and says things like, you know what, uh, you know, I, I, I haven't treated, you know, he, he's, he's abandoned me. He comes and he says he's not abandoned you. Folks, good fathers, the voice comes to you and says, you know what, good fathers, they put their kids through paces sometimes. Why? To destroy them? To build them. Okay, and that's what's happening to you right now. See, oh, oh, okay, hadn't thought about that. If the voice comes and says, you know, I don't deserve this. I can't take this. What, you know, what's going to happen in my future? If this plays out the way I think it's going to play out, my future, I'm afraid. God's not as good as I thought he was. 
And the Holy Spirit comes and says, God understands this. He's got your back. God, he, he, he's got your back. All suffering is not bad. Much of it is making you into a person of quality that will shine like a bright light in the darkness. See, that's what he's doing. The voice will never, listen, the voice will never lead you into fear. Never. If you're hearing voices, and then when the voice is done, you're like, ah, that ain't God. That ain't the voice. That ain't the Holy Spirit. Now, what does all this mean? You know, in 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 20 says this. When our hearts condemn us, what does it say? God is greater than our hearts. Basically, what he's saying is that when your heart condemns you, the Holy Spirit comes in and he's bigger. He's grander. He's better. See, he argues. That's his job. That's what he gets paid for, okay? He argues with you. He argues with the other voices. And folks, the voice you listen to will determine the course of your life. This is massive. This is huge. I found that an awful lot of the voices in my head lead me and can be traced back to a lot of my fear. A lot of me being afraid. And it, it, I got to tell you something. It never takes you to a good place. Never. In 1066... Norman armies uh, under William the Conqueror. Norman, you know, we were in Ireland, and they talk about the Normans all the time. The Normans did this, the Normans did that. Then we say, who's Norman? We said to my friend in Ireland, Mark, who is Norman? You keep talking about him in his graveyards and his buildings and his churches and everything. Anyway, in 1066, Norman armies under William the Conqueror invaded England, and, and, and they commemorated. This was a huge, big battle, and, and they commemorated with this massive tapestry that was, that was put together. And it was remarkably detailed, and it, it, it gave a record of the events of that entire battle and the entire campaign, as a matter of fact. And what is depicted in the scene is a column of Norman soldiers all on horseback, and, and they're followed by a bishop, one of the bishops of the church, who is busy poking the last guy in line with a stick. Now, folks, i got to tell you, somebody's poking me with a stick. That ain't going to last too long. i got to tell you right now, that ain't lasting too long. But listen to this. The caption, the caption under this says this. Bishop O'Dowd comforts the soldiers. Bishop O'Dowd comforts the soldiers. i can tell you something. That ain't my idea of comfort. That ain't my idea of comfort. Yet the Greek word for advocate, that is translated advocate in the NIV, in John chapter 14, buried in there is one who prods, one who pushes, one who does whatever he's got to do to push that individual down the road. See, God will do anything that, he, that it'll take to push his children down the road, encouraging them towards bigger, towards grander, towards greater things. There is a sense in which the, pro, the prodding of the Holy Spirit does, not, does encourage and does empower and does do other things. And through many times, through getting a good uh in the side, that it couldn't have been accomplished any other way. Folks, i got to tell you, the voice you listen to will help determine the course of your life. Here's, here's one thing. The Holy Spirit will always lead you in truth. Always will lead you in truth. Always. But here's something else. Here's something else. He's always going to lead you in truth. And he also, when he speaks, convicts of sin. 
He's always going to bring, you know, this uncomfortable kind of thing and discussion and talk about the sin. Again, it's that kind of thing, you know. Now, four times in this short passage, three in a positive sense, one in a negative sense, you know what he says? He says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Now, some people don't know what Christ has done for them, and the Spirit's voice has got to penetrate through the darkness. And sometimes it'll be somebody like you who will speak with somebody and will bring up, maybe go down the Romans road. You know the Romans road? You say the gospel. Romans chapter 3, verse 20, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person that's ever lived, every man, every woman, every child, we've all fallen short of living the sinless life that is required to see God. The sinless life that's required to be called his child. We are born with a propensity towards rebellion, a propensity towards sin. Everyone and a just holy God does not and cannot, we talked about this a few weeks ago, change his standards of holiness. Uh, You know what? There are some things that God just cannot do. That's one of them. And that's really bad news. But for some of us, it could be that the Spirit of God the voice? You've heard that voice. You know, you've heard that word from Romans maybe three, and you've heard it before, and you know, I just said it again, and you're like, what? what, what what's that about? But I've got to tell you something. As long as we're on the subject, and that's, we got that bad news, bad news gets a lot worse. Because if you flip over a couple more chapters, same writer, same church he's writing to in Romans chapter six, he says, for the wages of sin is death. One day, the judge will return. We talked about it, didn't we, a couple weeks ago. The judge will return, and every man and every woman will stand before him. The Bible speaks of a day of reckoning. It is a day when all the injustice will be answered for. All the hurtful, horrible, criminal things that have ever been done by you, me, and everybody. Every thought, every word, every deed. It's all going to be brought back. And there will be judgment. For the wages of sin is what? Death. Eternal, forever, conscious death. Separation from God. We think things are bad here when we look around, you know? And we, we, uh, uh, and I get, but you, you know what's really true? God's spirit is operating in this world. See, hell, hell, we're going to talk about a couple weeks. Uh, That's where there is, there is no God. There is no influence of the Holy Spirit. There is no goodness. There's no milk of human kindness. It is all gone forever. But one day Christ is going to come, and he will not come as Savior. He will come as judge of all the earth. Now, when people hear those words, they have one of two reactions. When I, when I mention that to, to, to people, they go this. They go, how dare you? You know, they either say it in words or they say it with their eyes. You know, they're like, Ugh. how dare you? Who do you think I am? You know, you, you think I'm some horrible person? I bet you've done a lot of things, you know, and just right, you know, right away to that. Or, that's one reaction, or here's the second reaction. I've had both many, many times. The second reaction is a reaction very similar to the reaction of the people in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, remember Peter, the fisherman, the guy who was afraid, the guy that ran away? And then the Holy Spirit comes, the voice comes, and, 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 and envelops his life, and all of a sudden he gets up, and he starts preaching this killer message. And I mean, really bold, and it's like, you know... I'm sure he thought, they're going to come and take me away any second, and they're, they're going to kill me, because, you know, it was just, it was so bold and so accurate. And you know what he says to the crowd? He said, you've been waiting for your Messiah? Guess what? He came. You killed him. That was the message. 
That ain't a popular message, i got to tell you right now. If, if you've got a bunch of Jewish people standing in front of you, you go, oh, you know you Messiah? Yeah, yeah, we're waiting for him. Yeah, you killed him. Well, that's not good. And you know what the reaction? There was probably some in the crowd that said, you know what, how dare you? Who do you think you are? But you know what it says? The, the large majority of the people in the crowd did? You know what their reaction was? What should we do? We are guilty. What should we do? See, see, that's the reaction of someone, listen, who's under the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. If they have the first reaction, you bring the word, they're not reacting to you. Folks, i got to tell you right now, it's not you, it's not that you didn't bring just the right words. Their hearts haven't been readied by the spirit of truth. But as they say, it's always darkest before the dawn. Because in Romans, if you want to finish out the story, Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says this, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. As we like to say, Jesus lived the life we should have lived, and he died the death we should have died, and the eternal magnificent news that trumps all the, sorry, that, that, that <laughs> trumps all the bad, I should have read this over more, uh, it trumps all the bad news, folks, uh, it, it really is this, here's the, here's the good news, Jesus Christ has paid the penalty of all my sins, it's all been paid for. There's nothing you can do. You can't add to it. You can't detract from it. I can't love you more if you're a good boy and a good girl tomorrow, and I'll never love you less. See, when we come to Christ, that judgment day that many people will face, we'll never face it. You know why? We've already faced our judgment day. Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary faced the punishment and the judgment that should have been mine, and we will never, we will never have to deal with it again. See, that's... That's the gospel message. Folks, um, that's what the Holy Spirit does. You know, that's what the Holy Spirit... The voice will always speak words that lead to life. But listen, life always goes through conviction at some point. If he's, gonna, if he's bringing you to life, he's bringing you through conviction. It's gonna, and I'm going to tell you, it'll help determine the course of your life. It will determine the course of your life. And for the Christian... What about for the Christian? That's for those who still don't know. For the Christian, the Spirit defends us against temptation, which leads to sin, which leads to abject disobedience to God's good purposes in our lives. Four times, I said, four times he mentions in this passage, if you love me, you obey what I command. In James chapter 4, James says this, do you not know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Then it says this, a couple of verses down. He says, do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us, weird, weird, envies intensely. He envies intensely. You know what it's saying? Don't you realize that when you let the world, you listen to these voices and the world, the voices of the world and the voices of, of, of the evil one, lodge themselves in your brain. You know what? Uh, you're going to go down the wrong path. And, and, and I, I long for you. I love you. See, when, when the Holy Spirit sees us giving our lives to money or, 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 or to fame or to sex or to power instead of God, he becomes like a jilted lover. Someone wrote this. When the Holy Spirit sees our hearts tempting us away from God, knowing this is going to destroy us, uh, 
he acts uh, the way of a loving, any loving friend would act towards an addict. What do you do when you love someone and see them destroying their lives through addiction? You get them into a corner and you say, you're killing yourself. I'm not going to let this happen to you. I, I'm, I'm going to confront you. I'm going to oppose you because I love you. I'm not going to let you do it to yourselves. See, that's a friend with teeth, right? But it's a true friend. I mean, people come to blows over stuff like this. You know what? I, I see this in your life. Who do you think you are? You know what? But if we listen, if we listen to the voice of the Spirit sometimes through others, you know what? We, we, we stop killing ourselves. We get so angry. We start fighting, you know? Uh, but that's a friend. That's a counselor. That's a legal advocate. This is so, it's, it's someone who won't let you kill yourself. And he's a glorious person. In fact, in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, he says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's a glorious person, the Holy Spirit, and he's not going to stop until you become a glorious person too. The glorious person that you should be. He's going to oppose anything in your heart that's going to stop you, and he's not going to let you go. He will not let you go. This is a friend. It's a friend who is utterly for you, who's against everybody, who's against you, all the powers that are against you. Listen, the voice you listen to will help determine the course of your life. Really quick, really quick. How can I hear the voice more clearly? How can I hear the voice more clearly? Well, draw near. Draw near. Verse 21 says this. Whoever has my commands and looks at them and just kind of lets them sit on the shelf. No. Whoever ha has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. If you want the voice to be active and more pronounced in your life, the formula is mentioned several times in this, in this passage. Keep my commandments, which makes perfect sense. Listen, let me talk to the parents just for a minute, those of you who are parents. Which of your children have the capacity to know your heart best? Is it the child that is constantly at odds with you, constantly butting heads with you, disregards your word, disregards your wishes? You know what? Even though... You know what you're doing is in their best interest. Is it that one, or, or do you draw close and show yourself to the one who imperfectly but honestly opens himself up to you, showing that, that, that he believes that you are good and that you are faithful and that to the, the best of your knowledge, even as a fallible parent, you will lead them in the right direction? Which one are you opening your heart to? Parents, huh? what do you think? I know the answer to that. There is a, there's a magnificent story told about the shepherds in East Anglia, the center of England's wool trade in the Middle Ages. And it was, it's, it's really funny. Uh, when, when, a, when a shepherd would die, um, they would put him in a box, in a coffin, and they would pack around the body, all around the body, they would pack him in wool. They'd pack the bodies in wool. And the idea was that when Judgment Day came, Jesus would look at the wool and realize, oh, this guy was a shepherd. 
You know, it's like, like you didn't know, but he'd see, he'd see that, you know, and, and he'd see that he was a shepherd. And he would realize, he would realize right away, because he was a shepherd, he was a great shepherd, right? The great shepherd, we read all, of, all about it. He would know the pressure that shepherds face and the amount of time needed to look after wayward sheep and all the things they do. And he would understand why he hadn't been to church that much. That's true. That's a true story. Folks, I got to tell you right now. We are not dealing with a distant God who knows nothing of what it means to be human. We're not. He knows and he understands. So you know what the writer of Hebrews says? We can approach the throne of grace with confidence. We sang it before. Draw me a little closer. See? Draw me a little deeper. But bring me deeper. I want to know you. We sang it. Do we know what we were singing? Do we even understand? When we come near to him, when we dare to bear our hearts and reveal the weaknesses, folks, that he already knows about. You know, it's not like, oh, gee, should I mention this? Gee, he already gets it, okay? He already gets it. He's well aware of it. When we ask for the voice of the Spirit to speak and address all our fears, he will. He will. And when we hear his voice and when we answer, you know what he begins to do? He begins to siphon the stress. He begins to solve the problems and, and you know, help us reason through any difficult situation. See, the voice of the Spirit, he is for us and not against us. Our, our life course is determined by the voice we listen to. The most what did Maddie say? What did Maddie? Maddie said the most influential and frequent voice you hear is your inner voice. Not a Christian. It can work in your favor or against you, depending on what you listen to and act upon. He has stumbled upon a great spiritual truth. He speaks today. Listen to him, and when you do, he will draw you to himself, and he will reveal himself to you, and he will lead you down a good, good path. The voice you listen to is going to determine the direction of your life.